Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right. Good morning, Thrive Church. 1030 service. How many love coming at 1030? Yes, you get a little extra time to sleep in, have a cup of coffee at home, and then you get here and you have some more coffee. Come on, any coffee drinkers in the house? Can you do me a favor today? Can you welcome the people watching online, joining us at home? Welcome them. It's always an honor and privilege to bring the word of God. Thankful for Pastor Chris as our lead pastor and the trust that he has in us to be able to to share a word that God has has given us this week. And I know God's spoken at 9 o'clock this morning, and I know God's going to do the same here at 1030. And I'm just excited to share his word. And, you know, we've been in a series uh, called It's Not an Accident. How many have enjoyed the book of Philippians? Yes, amen. It's not an accident. We serve an intentional God. Somebody say amen. amen. And so if our God is intentional, his church must also be intentional. Last week we had Pastor Eric here with us as, as a spiritual father in our life. And I love what he said. He said, you know, I, I want to encourage you, but in reality, I have a little bit more permission to exhort you. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing here in Philippians. He was the spiritual father of of the church, and he's sitting in a prison cell writing to them, and he's saying, hey, I'm noticing some things, and I want to encourage you, but I also want to exhort you. It's time to refocus our life on Jesus Christ. It's time to refocus. So today we're going to talk about that. And we're going to go into the scripture. And if you could just stand with me as we read these next 10 verses. We like reading uh, uh, really the the good chunk of verses because it's important to to see the context. Amen? Verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Actually, this is really good for you, he's saying. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, Paul says. Circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Last verse. That I may know him. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Jesus We thank you, God, for the honor of knowing you. Thank you, God, that we don't have to do life alone, that we can trust in you. We could put our confidence in who you are 
And we give you permission today, God, to speak to us. Highlight things in our life that need to be exposed this morning so that your, your changing, transforming power can do what it does best in our life, Jesus. We thank you. We give you permission, Jesus, to move in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We all say amen, amen. All right, you can take your seat. So Paul is writing the church and he's saying, hey, we got to keep moving. You can't get distracted now. We, we have somewhere to go. We have something to do. God wants to move in our lives. How many believe God wants to move in our life? But see, there was a, a group of religious Jews that were practically following Paul's ministry. And on what they were trying to do was discredit the word of God, the gospel of Jesus that Paul was spreading. Paul was saying that in order to be saved, we needed to believe in Jesus Christ and have faith. And it's by faith that we are saved. But these religious Jews were saying, no, it's by your works. It's by who you are. It's by what you do. It's by what you can prove. See, they were trying to bring confusion to the church. They were trying to distract the church. I don't know about you, but when you walk out Sunday mornings, don't you feel like, you're attacked by distractions. I mean, we, we, we meet every Sunday and we, we hear the word of God and we seem to align ourselves again. Amen. But then we walk out the doors and the enemy's intent is to always try to distract the people of God. Because the enemy knows if he can distract the people of God, then he could discourage the people of God. If he can distract the people of God, then he could detain the people of God from doing what God's called us to do. If he can distract the people of God, then he can distance us from the presence of God. If he can distract the people of God, then he can try to disrupt what God is doing in our life. And I was praying over this message, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, to my life. And God was saying... It's time to refocus. It's time for the church in the United States, in California, in Lathrop to refocus. It's time to start paying attention again. It's time to go back to our first love. Talk about slowing down. Just this last month, the month of September, I had two flat tires and a dead battery. How was your month? <laughs> I have never been to Le Schwab that many times in my life. And I was, last night, I was at Le Schwab, second flat tire. And I was just, and I was, I had my iPad with me. I'm like, you know what? They're going to take a long time. Let me just sit here and just kind of review things. And God was like, I'm slowing you down a little bit because I really want you to, to, to relay this message to the church. I really want you to relay this message to the church. The enemy is trying to disrupt and sometimes we just have to slow down. We have to get grounded again in order to catch up to God. We can't abandon what God has been speaking into our life. We can't abandon what God has been doing in our life. It's time to refocus. How many say amen? So Paul is reminding the church that God has called them to a life of progress and victory. Somebody say amen. And he gives the church important keys. And I want to give you those keys this morning. On how to live a victorious life. How to live victoriously in a distracted society. How to 
refocus our life, how to live in victory and not in distraction. We need to catch up to God. And so I naturally thought with these flat tires and this dead battery, I said, was there something I could have done to prevent it? So I'm backtracking. I'm examining. I'm, I'm looking back. Where was I? Where did I drive? Where am I getting these nails? Did I leave something connected to my vehicle that caused it to die? Are you following me this morning? What did I plug in that disrupted my day? And I realized, you know what? I figured it out. It's the construction in Lathrop. <laughs> it's this road. I work here at the church, so I have to take that road. But guess what? I'm going to go around it because I don't need a third flat tire. Come on. I think I get the point here, God. So I make adjustments. Ah. I make adjustments. But it's not until I slow down and I get grounded again that I have to make adjustments. And so Paul is telling the church, first thing, look out. Look out. Examine your rhythms. Examine your rhythms. What has become a part of your life that is actually deterring you? What has come a part of your life? What has latched onto you that is distracting you? That's stopping you to pursue Jesus. That's stopping you from doing that thing that God is calling you to do. To be the man that God has called you to be. To be the woman and the mom and the dad that God has called you to be. What is latched on to us? The word blepo is the Greek word for look out. And it means to discern. Come on, somebody say discern. To recognize and understand to guard, to watch, to keep on seeing constantly. I love that word. It's not just seeing one time or going a week without Jesus, without discernment, without wisdom. But it's waking up every day saying, I'm going to continue to discern what is good and what is not. Every moment, every day, to constantly discern discern to use wisdom and good judgment in order to distinguish not only good from wrong but what is from God and what is not so we get we get so busy with the what's good and what's bad what's good and what's bad Paul talks about this all the time it's not about just what's good and what's bad what is God's will for you and what is not Hebrews 5 14 says but solid food is for the mature or mature for those of you that say it that way for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And you might be thinking, I don't know. I don't think I have discernment. Well, all you have to do is try it. Just practice it. Ask God. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Ask God for wisdom. It doesn't matter if you've served God one day or a million days. It doesn't matter. Continue to ask God to show you, to give you good judgment. God, what is your will for my life? 
What is your will for my family? What is your will, Jesus? We got to look out. We got to be on guard, church. See, not everything we've allowed as a part of our life is from God. I'm going to say this, even if it's good. Not everything that's good is from God for us. It might be good for somebody else, but not for us. So we examine our rhythms by asking ourselves these questions. And these are important questions. If you can write them down, take note. This is something that is so, so important. I don't want to just give you a, a, a moment, an emotional moment with Jesus. I want you to actually take some practical things with you. True change comes from the practical. What have we, we allowed into our life that is life-giving and honorable to God? You take a moment, step back. Examine your life. What I have allowed into my life, what, what is it that is giving life? What is it that is honorable to God? Number two, what have we allowed into our life that is not life-giving and dishonorable to God? I'm going to pause on that one for a little bit. I want that one to sit. What are the things that I have allowed into the rhythm of my life that are not life-giving? And they're actually dishonorable to God. And number three, which ones are depleting you? Which ones are corrupting our good character? Which ones are distracting and disrupting our progress? Church, we have to be able to identify what these things are in our life. We have to be able to identify them. But it's not good enough to know what they are. We have to get rid of them. The only way we can do that is through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Come on, that should excite somebody. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The Apostle Paul says, stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. God hasn't called us to be slaves. We used to be slave in our old life, but we are now free. We are now sons and daughters of the living God. Come on, give God praise. So we have to look out. We have to pay attention. Number two, we have to look to him, not to yourself. Come on, how many are thankful you don't have to trust in your own ability, in your own strength, in your own intelligence, in who you are and what you make and what you own? We put our confidence in Jesus. Verse 4 says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, Paul says. You think you're good enough. Look at my list. And he starts to, to list it out. And he begins to say, I am a, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, I don't know about you. I'm Mexican. And it's kind of like saying, I'm Mexican of Mexicans, right? No, but he's not really saying just the nationality. A Hebrew of Hebrews is saying, hey, I come from the lineage. I come from the patriarchs. I come, my ancestry is Jewish. This qualifies me. I have had the education. 
I have held the law. I was a Pharisee, which is the religious of the most religious people. I have persecuted the church in honor of the law. I have done everything I could do. My achievements have brought me honor. See, Paul was trying to prove a point, and he, he was telling the church, I tried to prove to God that I was good enough, but God proved me wrong. When he was on the way to Damascus persecuting the church, God found him, and he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and that encounter changed the rest of his life. Paul is telling the church, don't, please don't try to do it on your own. Don't trust in yourself. That change that you want to make in your life, that, that relationship that you want to restore, those goals that you have, don't do it alone. Why try to do it on your own when you have something even better? You have Jesus. You have Jesus. You have Jesus. Don't do it on your own. Believe me, I have tried See, being a good man does not mean he was a godly man. Godliness doesn't come from what we do. Godliness comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, give God praise in this house. <laughs> was it about what we had? What was it about where we came from? Christ found us. I was thinking about this. I was thinking, wow, if, if it was about where we come from, how much we make. If it was about my last name, if it was about my education, if it was about everything else, I'd probably end up in last place. But the blood of Jesus has changed my life. The blood of Jesus has given me purpose. The blood of Jesus has justified me, has made me righteous, has made me good enough for Jesus. It's about him. It is not about us. Everything else is short of Christ. He learned that the only way to win is actually to lose. To give up ourselves. To surrender completely to the feet of Jesus. And let God do what he wants to do in our life. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. One of my favorites says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Learn to lean into who he is. Trust him with all of your heart. Trust him with all that you have and all that you are. God is not like man that will fail you. God is perfect in all of his ways. God is a good God. We serve a powerful God. We serve a redeeming God. We serve a God that loves us unconditionally. And there is nothing that he cannot do. So there are things in our life that we have given up on, but God hasn't given up on them. God hasn't given up on them. He wants to partner with you. He wants to help you. He's got you, family. He's got you. He's got your back. He is a faithful God. And number three, he's telling the church, look forward, not around you. 
Look ahead. Look at Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. That is the only way to win. It reminds me of the story of Peter when God, Jesus called him out of the boat. And I know we focus on the sinking part, but I want to take a moment. He was walking on water. How many have ever walked on water? Don't try this at home, right? <laughs> he was walking on water. Because his eyes were on Jesus. God is saying, I can do the impossible in your life if you keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Verses 8 to 10, I just want to focus on verse 9 and 10. and says, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. And I love this part. Verse 10. That I may know him. That I may know Christ. That I may know the power of his resurrection. And share in his sufferings. Becoming like him in death. Paul was being very vulnerable with the church, very open about what his goal in life was. He had spent his whole life trying to prove something to someone else. And he realized there is only one thing important in life, and that is to know Christ, to know Jesus. To want more of Jesus and not more of self. And I know that sounds weird for today's world. Because today's society is saying more of you. Think about yourself. What about you? How do you feel? What do, what's your idea? What do you think? And Paul is saying, all I want is you. Less of me, Jesus, and more of you. Less of me, Jesus, and more of you. Paul often uses a metaphor in, in the letters that he writes. And he, he compares the journey of a believing Christian as, as someone who's in a race. Now, do we have any runners in the house? Okay, no runners. Okay, let's try this again. Let's try this again. How many non-runners do we have here this morning? Come on. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Lord, forgive us for we know not what we do. No, I'm just kidding. Paul uses a metaphor of a race. I don't know if you've ever gone jogging or attempted to. I'm changing my message right now. Just for you. Attempted to go on a run. There's a couple things you got to know before you go running. One is you have to have a goal in mind. You can't just like aimlessly run somewhere. You have to have a plan. You have to have vision, what you want to achieve. And two, you have to be focused on the road in front of you. I know that's like super, like everybody should know that, right? Like actually pay attention to the road. Like every step has to be calculated. 
Has anybody ever gone on a run and just, you just fell? Okay, I'm glad I'm on my own this morning. Thank you. I went on a jog one day, and it's, it's the same route I took all the time. I knew how to get there. I knew what to do. I had the right outfit. I had the right shoes. I had my ponytail, my hat on. I was ready to go. I looked like a runner. And I went out on the road. But my mind was distracted that day. There was a heaviness. There was something going on in my life that, that fogged up my mind. And I don't know why I was running outdoors. Tons of traffic going by. It's one of the main streets. And I didn't see the uneven pavement in front of me. And I just hit the ground. Super embarrassing. And I thought to myself, okay, I have two options right now. I could get up really quick and pretend no one saw. <laughs> or I could just lay there and pretend like I'm stretching and I tried to do this on purpose. <laughs> Regardless of what I did after, it doesn't matter. Point is I fell. And I felt foolish because I knew this road. But I was distracted. See, I was going through the motions but I was running aimlessly. And Paul is saying, church, set your eyes on Jesus. Set your eyes on Jesus. Don't just go through the motions. And I know it happens. We are all guilty of this. Can I hear an amen? We go through the motions. Okay, get ready for church. Okay, this is what we do. Okay, we have groups. And you get going, you get going. And all of a sudden, you find yourself fallen. Because we lost our focus. We lost our passion. We lost our love. Galatians 5, verse 7 to 9 says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Well, I could tell you what hindered me. But what hindered you from obeying the truth? In other words, what distracted you? What became more important? Verse 8, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It, we don't have time to be distracted, church. I don't know if you've looked around you. I don't know if you hear the news. I don't know if you know what's going on. We cannot afford to be distracted. I love what Pastor Juan says, we are the light. God has called us out of the darkness into the light to shine for Jesus. We don't have time to be distracted. Paul's goal was this, to know God personally. He knew the law, but he didn't know God truly in his fullness. How many want to know God personally? have a deeper relationship with him he also says I want to know God in his power and I want to know God in his pain to know God in his power to see the transforming power of God in our life God's not afraid to get up all in in our mess 
He justifies us. He changes us. He washes us. But to know God in his pain is to die to myself, just like Christ died for the church. We surrender to him. And we say, God, I died to myself so that you can live through me. I want more of you. I want more of you. He wanted the full revelation of who God was. But in order to obtain the fullness of God, we have to get rid of everything else. This is where it gets hard for people. Because we want to hold on to everything else we got going on. But can I tell you, nothing else is better than Jesus Christ. Nothing else can satisfy you the way Jesus does. Nothing else can complete you the way Jesus can. You can run all over this world. You can try everything you want and you will end up empty. Because only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on to the stage and we're going to spend some time in worship, but I want to ask you a question this morning. Paul made this his goal because he realized that all he needed was Jesus. I know sometimes we go through life and we think all I need is Jesus, but a little more money would help. Or is that just me? All I need is Jesus, but man, if I could have that house. All I need is Jesus, but oh, if my NFL team, yes, I'm going there. Yes, if my NFL team could just win the championship. All we need is Jesus. I'm going to say that again. All we need is Jesus. He is enough. He is sufficient. What else do we really need in life, family? What else are we running after? One of my favorite scriptures, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Woo. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things will be added unto you. I really believe somebody needed to hear that this morning. We put our efforts and energy into so many things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. righteousness. All other things God will bring in due season. If you can stand with me this morning. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.